Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, it's Golf Thoughts episode four, what to think if you need a new coach. A swing coach, an instructor, I guess even a mental coach. Uh, This uh, advice or my opinion or my experience can apply to any of those uh, because I think it's extremely important to pick the right coach, have the right coach, uh, because it helps you improve. And that's what we all want. We all want to improve. So the prompting or inspiration for this episode is uh, I got a question on Twitter from Chris Mayer. Uh, He's been a, I guess, a longtime listener of the podcast. He's, uh, he contributes to the Facebook Mental Golf Show Facebook group and uh, hangs out on my Twitter. Uh, he's a he's a good listener. He's he's been a, a contributor for a, a while now. Uh, but he said, "Josh, would you consider selecting a coach? Part of the mental game, maybe a process to go through, what to look for, questions to ask prospective coaches. If you think it's appropriate, could we get a podcast on the subject? Love the show. Thank you, Chris. Of course, uh, yes, you are getting a podcast on the subject right now. I hope you're listening." Uh, so yeah, I I want to kind of go back through my experience of the coaches that I've seen throughout the years, and if you've followed me along um, on this podcast, if you if you've been a pretty strong listener, you've picked up tidbits and bits and pieces here and there of my journey. Um, if you listen to episode. Uh, I, I don't know if I had a number, but my conversation with Robert Linville, uh, he's going to be a, a heavy theme in this episode, but he and I had a conversation on the podcast uh, last year. So if you haven't listened to that, that was a great episode. He's such a such a smart guy, and you're going to find out more about him today. But go back and listen to that one. That one's got a lot of good context on this as well. But I just want to relay my experience Um so sitting in the position where I am now, at least with over 15 years of pretty strong competitive golf experience, I can say with confidence that having a coach is obviously a great idea, but it wasn't always that way. I didn't always feel like having a coach was a great idea. As some of you may have heard me talk about before, I had a swing coach when I was in high school. I don't remember a ton of the details of what we worked on or how often I went but I remember his name, Simon McGreal. Simon, what's up if you're listening? I loved working with Simon. He was a great coach for me. He was just a great guy. He made it fun. He he made it enjoyable to go see him. He worked at Precision Golf School, which is where I go for swing lessons now, and also where I am a mental performance coach. It's one one of the places where I work with players is at Precision Golf School. But I only worked with Simon through high school. In fact, he and the strength coach at Precision, Ted Bonham, also Ted, if you're listening, what's up, came to my high school graduation. I mean, that's amazing. That has stuck with me as such a cool thing for so long and had a strong impact on why I chose my present coach. But we'll get to that in a minute. Back to high school. Once I graduated and went to Appalachian State University, I stopped working with a swing coach. I... I just didn't have a coach from that point. A combination of hoping my college coach would help 
with my swing and being a little too far away from precision and continuing to have to spend the money kind of all caused me to abandon having a coach. This proved to be a fatal error, as you'll see. And this isn't saying anything about my college coach. He was very capable of helping me with my swing. I just simply didn't seek any help whatsoever. I mean, he would step in, my college coach, he would step in and help, and that was super helpful. But I never sought out his advice. I tried being my own swing coach, and this is where the struggles began. When all I had was my own eyes and my phone to film my swing or the little camera in our indoor center, I became only interested in how my swing looked to myself compared to others or PGA Tour players. I would film almost every swing I made, or at least like I would hit a few balls, try to do some swing rehearsals, then film another one, constantly filming my own swing. Making my swing look good became somewhat of an obsession. I would equate bad shots with an aesthetically bad swing. Every shot was preceded by countless rehearsals of the move that I thought was correct. If I played bad, I would spend extra time at the range or the indoor center making more rehearsals and filming more swings. It was an endless cycle of trying to make my swing look better regardless of the shots it was producing. Even if I was hitting good ones, but my swing looked bad on camera, it, I would try to make my swing look good. And that would often cause my shots to go bad. So I got in this vicious cycle of always trying to make my swing look good. But it wasn't always bad. Because I was practicing so much, even though it was probably bad practice, it wasn't very high quality. It was a high quantity, but it, was a, it wasn't a very high quality. The sheer quantity led to improvement still. I played pretty well my sophomore year of college through my senior year, but that was relative to how poorly I had been playing prior to that. And it was hardly due to my self-diagnosing and attempted fixes to my swing. So I was, I was getting better just because of how much time I was spending practicing. Because, you know, if I'm at the course, you know, for hours and hours and hours of, you know, filming my swing, hitting balls, I'm going to also go to the short game and the putting area. And just by nature of being at the course so much, I'm going to get better over time. So starting out college, I had a goal of turning pro the summer after I graduated. Well, that didn't happen. Spoiler alert, I did not turn pro after college. Once I graduated, I moved back into my parents' house to continue the chase. I still have a video of my first practice session from that May of 2013, right after I graduated and got back home. Guess what I was doing? Yep, filming my swing. The pursuit of a good-looking swing continued on and so did my average play. Through 2013, 14, 15, and into 16, I worked harder than just about anyone. Hours and hours every day at the range, short game, and putting area, playing at least nine holes a day, but I never really got much better. I actually looked at my stats uh, that I tracked back then. From 2014 to 2015, the course yardages I was playing got about 5% longer. So in 2014, I was playing a little public golf course called Maple Leaf. Uh, and then in 2015, at some point, I, I was definitely playing more golf tournaments in 15. And I joined a country club, Willow Creek. And on average, the courses I was playing were about 300 yards longer. So 
Uh, it kind of went from like 6,400 on average to 6,700 on average. So about 5% increase. But my scores only went up by 4%. So my scores went up from year to year, but only 4% from a 69.78 average in 14 to a 72.27 average in 15. And on the surface, it's it looks like, oh, you got worse? I actually got a little better relative to the yardage, to the increase in yardage. So yes, I was shooting higher on average, but the courses I was playing were much longer on average. So I was getting a little better year over year comparative to the yardage, but not significantly. A 1% increase year over year, I guess that could be good, but for how much I was practicing, it wasn't, the, the ratio wasn't very good. But also, yes, I sound confident when I'm talking about all this math, but if you know me by now, I struggle with math really bad. I spent far too long trying to figure these numbers out, and I'm still pretty sure I'm doing something wrong. But anyway, I was in a three-year-long slump by mid-2016. This, this, after 2015, I definitely wasn't improving very quickly. I was playing these longer yardages, and I wasn't getting much better. It was a slump. It was a plateau. So now we're in mid-2016. We enter into the modern era of Josh Nichols's golf game. In summer of 2016, I had had enough of the floundering and plateauing. I had to find an instructor. I'm not totally sure what was the impetus for my change of heart from total autonomy to humbling myself down to the level of needing help, but I'm glad it happened. I finally pulled my head out of the sand to look around at who should be my swing coach. So my criteria at that point was this. They had to be experienced, they had to be proven with results from other players, and they had to be adaptable to the modern way of instruction. Those were the things I was looking for. And I'll detail some more things later. But honestly, the biggest one for me was finding an instructor who had gotten results in working with their players. Their players needed to have gotten better and gotten to a high level because that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be the highest level my coach has taught. I wanted my goals to be very normal to my coach. So my search didn't last long. From the goodwill I remembered in working with Precision Golf School in my own past and the guys that poured themselves into my life, they were the first place I looked. Precision Golf School was the first place I looked. And at the time... Scott Harvey had just won the U.S. Mid-Amateur a couple years prior. And Scott's from, you know, close to where I'm from, just about 15 minutes away. Great, great amateur player, lifetime amateur player. And Scott worked with a precision instructor, Robert Linville. I also knew several of the players Robert was working with, and they were all much better than me. So very quickly, my decision had been made. I even dug up the old email that I sent to Robert, and I'll I'll read that to you. So the subject line was, lesson from you or someone you could recommend. Hey, Robert, I need to have someone look at my game. You can kind of hear the like short, short and sweet frustration in my, in my voice. I need to have someone look at my game. I've been trying to self-diagnose as much as I can, and that can only go so far. And I think I've created some bad habits, <laughs> I think. My game might not look that far off, but it sure feels far off. And you, you can hear the, like, it might not look far off because I've been filming my swing trying to make it look good, but it sure feels far off. 
and it feels like some things need to change. That's an understatement, but also sounds about right. I mean, you can tell my frustration informed that email for sure. So starting on August 2nd, 2016, I began working with Robert. This proved to be far and away the best decision of my whole career, let alone my golf career. I didn't instantaneously get resoundingly better, but I now had actual things to work on that originated from a source other than my iPhone camera. But what truly made me better wasn't just the swing instruction. It was Robert the person. It was Robert the coach who would do anything and everything to make my game better. Robert had recently began doing his precision coaching program, like I think pretty pretty close to around that time, which was a way for him to give exercises to players and track and measure their progress. It became a holistic approach to game improvement, not just one-off swing lessons every couple weeks. So between swing lessons, I not only had my swing to work on, actual thing to do on the range, I also had real practice to do. I began practicing with a much higher level of quality and intentionality. And I was regularly communicating with Robert about the good things I was doing and the ways I knew I could improve. These were the things that were truly helping me get better. It was it was not just the swing instruction, but all of these other things that Robert would give me, these exercises, these activities, these he would push me to to communicate with him. But also, I stopped caring what my swing looked like. I began using my swing videos more as a reference to doing what Robert was trying to get me to do rather than trying to make it look good to myself. I gave up control and fully trusted invested into what Robert was telling me. And honestly, my swing kind of started looking better anyway, but it was because I released control of it. It was, it was weird. And I don't know if that's true for everyone. I, I can't claim that you would always go through that same experience. Once you let go, your swing will start looking better. But the point is that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters what the results are from it. And I believe the results show the fruit of the seeds I was planting. I worked ridiculously hard for about a year, seeing slow improvement in practice then in casual rounds by myself, then in competitive rounds with friends, then in smaller tournaments, then finally in bigger tournaments. And this, and like, that's the, that's the progress. That's the competitive ladder, the improvement ladder. You've got to, you got to see slow improvement in practice. Then you're going to see slow improvement in casual rounds by yourself. Then you'll see improvement. Like you'll see the fruits in competitive rounds with friends. Then you'll see the fruits of your hard work in smaller tournaments. And then finally you'll see the fruits in bigger tournaments. And I had that, that I finally showed those fruits in the span of six days in August, 2017. I won the North Carolina Open. I won the Triad Amateur. And then I finished top five in the Forsyth County Am. And uh, so three really big tournaments for me. The North Carolina Open is a, obviously by the name of it, it's a state-level event. It's a big state-level event that has professionals and amateurs that play in it. And then the Triad Am is a county-level uh, amateur, or it's state-level, and people from all over the state come come and play in it, but by the name of it, it's still kind of a local one. And then the Forsyth County Am is a county am, which is not that big of a tournament, but 
I like to play in it. And um, so I had this amazing stretch of six days of, of really good golf. And then one month later, I finished runner-up in the U.S. Mid-Amateur, securing myself a spot in the 2018 U.S. Amateur at Pebble Beach, and just one 36-hole final match loss from playing in the Masters. So I had this two-month stretch, or one-month stretch, really, of of good golf at uh, in bigger tournaments. So I went through that improvement process, that I went up that improvement ladder, and finally saw the fruits of my labors in bigger tournaments. So, yes, my results got much better. But how can this, how can my experience and my past and my history help you in your search for a coach? So how, how can we get you from the level that you're at to going up that improvement ladder via a coach? So let's take out what helped me that could also help you. So here are the things that I, I think are priorities for choosing a new swing coach slash instructor. First, and also this could be applied to a mental coach, which uh, arguably I, I, I'm biased, but I think everyone can benefit from. So you could apply these same things to choosing any coach, uh, fitness coach, nutrition coach, anything. Um, I, I think these things can help you choose a coach. So first, for me, they had to be experienced. I wanted a coach who had been doing this for a very long time. That's not to say young coaches are bad, but there are young coaches with experience that I think would be a better choice because of it. So experience has has to matter to me. And I know for the coach, it's hard to get experience in order to be someone who has experience. But as a player, you've got to go with the coach that can help you the most. And one with experience, I think, is invaluable. So second, they for me, they had to be proven with results from other players. This means different things to different levels of players. If you are someone attempting to break 100 on a regular basis, then you won't have any problem finding a coach that has gotten enough results with others. But if you're a scratch player and you're trying to get to an even higher level, then you need to narrow in your search a little tighter. Because you, I think you've got to have a coach that can that has seen players and has seen play and has experience with golf at a higher level than you are. That doesn't mean they have to be a better player than you are. We know that. Butch Harmon is not a better player than Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, all of the players he works with. But he has seen and has that experience with other players that have been at a higher level than almost any other player. So I think that needs to be a priority for you. Third, they had to be adaptable to the modern way of instruction. For me, this included TrackMan, FlightScope, whatever else, video, there is what whatever else there is these days. And they had to be able to communicate remotely. So like the use of a smartphone or an app on a smartphone. This might be a personal preference on some level, but I think if a coach isn't able to use the information from a launch monitor or video or u- the use of smartphones, then they are leaving valuable information and tools on the table that can't be seen or used or communicated properly in any other way. This, like you, I think there's got to be some use of TrackMan or FlightScope or something, a launch monitor of some kind, because that's like... 
that's stuff you just can't see with the naked eye or even with slow-mo video. I think that's gotta be a prerequisite. So these are priorities and prerequisites in my opinion. If instructors can't check these boxes, then I think you need to look elsewhere. And that's, that's very exclusionary, but I mean, it's your golf game. I think you need to do what you can to find the right coach. So in looking back, for me to have gotten as far as I did, I needed an instructor with even more than that. And this is where I break apart from the prerequisites, but I think the things that can really take you to the next level that aren't necessarily as common with coaches. So fourth, they need to be invested in my game. A coach needs to care more about me than just, all right, go work on that and see you in two weeks or a month. There needs to be a strong level of care that can be felt. The, the coach has to be able to pour themselves into me. And for you, they, the coach needs to be able to pour him or herself into you. They need to care about your improvement, not just giving you homework to do and see you in a month. I think that is so important. Not a prerequisite, but super important. Fifth, they need to have a holistic program. This might be the highest thing on the list, honestly. Without a holistic approach to my improvement, I'm pretty confident I wouldn't have gotten as good as I did. I can say with confidence that I got as good as I did because of the holistic program that Robert gave me. Robert is a world-class swing instructor, in my opinion, and others' opinions, I, I would say, and it still blows me away how quickly he can diagnose a swing, but I needed ways to spend my time to raise the quality of my practice. I needed things to do between lessons, between coaching instruction sessions that would raise the quality of my practice, that would give me valuable ways to spend my time because I, I had a lot of time to practice. And if it was just my swing that I was told how to, how to change and that's all, that's the only thing I got between lessons, I don't know how I would have spent the rest of my time. It wouldn't have been as high a quality as it was. So I think having a holistic program from your coach or a coach or a lot of my players see a swing instructor separately from me and go to me and I give them things to do that raise the level of the quality of their practice. And I, I have a, what I call a mental game plan that I give my players to raise the quality of the practice. I'm trying to do what Robert did for me, for my players because I see the value of having a holistic program. So I think that is super important. Not a prerequisite, again, not a deal breaker, but to take you to, the, to an even higher level. I think a holistic program is important. So sixth, and finally, they need to be great communicators. If a coach or a swing instructor can't level with you and speak your language, then it will be very difficult to get anywhere. Your instructor needs to be able to adapt to you much more than you need to be able to adapt to your instructor. This is a this is a tricky one because yes, you need to be able to like or you need to humble yourself and listen to the expert, but also it you're the you're the player here. You're the boss in a way. You're the, your instructor is employed by you. You're paying your instructor to 
to help you. Your, your instructor's not paying you to listen to them. You know what I mean? They are, they are there for you. So you need to be able to communicate them with them and they need to be able to communicate with you in a proper way and help you learn the way that you learn best. If you learn by by them just spouting information at you and you just doing it and them saying yes or no, then you need to communicate that with them and they need to be able to communicate back with you the way you need it. If they, If you would rather them grab your club and move it for you, and you feel things better that way, then you need to communicate with that that with them, and they need to be able to communicate that back to you. There needs to be a two-way communication. If it's just an instructor just spewing stuff at you, and you and just because they know what they're talking about, you feel like you've got to listen, but that's it, and there's no two-way communication, and they don't adapt to you, and there isn't there isn't some give and take, then you won't get as far as you could otherwise. It's not a prerequisite. If Butch Harmon was teaching you, you would probably just sit back and listen, and you wouldn't demand that they communicate the way you need them to communicate. But if you want to go to an even higher level, your instructor needs to be a good communicator, needs to be an adaptable communicator. Robert might be a world-class instructor again, in my opinion and the opinion of others, I think he's a, I think he is that good. But even more so, I believe he's a world-class adapter or world-class communicator. This made all the difference in my game. He the last lesson I went to him, it was awesome. I it, we just had 30 minutes and I like a I'm the kind of guy that likes a really long lesson because I just I can't get enough but we had 30 minutes. So I'm, you know, back in my mind, I'm a little worried, like, man, are we going to be able to get across, like, get to everything? Like, am I going to be able to feel good about my game? Am I going to get enough information by the time I'm out of here? And I hit a ball or two. He asked, you know, what's your miss? Like, what you been doing? Um, what you been struggling with? And I would hit a ball or two, and he would look at it on video, and immediately he knew, okay, you got to be doing this. But he didn't stop there. Like, I think that's the prerequisite part. So he tried to explain it to me of what it should feel like. He grabbed my club and he's like, maybe it needs to feel like this. Maybe it needs to feel like that. And as I was hitting more balls and trying what he was telling me to do, he, I could tell him, I could watch him adapt the way he was the way he was communicating what it needed to feel like to me based on what I was saying to him. I would say, okay, it kind of feels like this a little bit. And he changed his message a little bit to, to sound more like the way I needed to be communicated to. He listens out for the way I feel things, so that's how he communicates. And I'm assuming it just because he does it with me, yes, I... I'm good at communic I feel like I'm good at communicating what I'm feeling, but I'm assuming he does this with all of his players. And I think that type of back and forth communication and adaptability needs to be needs to be present for you to go like past the prerequisite stuff to total full awesome instructor. Now don't get me wrong, these are hard to come by. And that's why I wouldn't make them prerequisites, these fourth, fifth, and sixth ones. The first three, yes. 
but the 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 last three not prerequisites but definitely i think got me to where i was going robert is special he communicates so well is so willing to help and has a program that can fulfill these needs so if you can find an instructor that can check all these boxes either start with them immediately or save up the money to start with them as soon as possible now, I know this sounds like an ad for Precision Golf School or Robert Limville. I promise it's not. They didn't pay me to say any of this. He didn't pay me to say this. He didn't ask me. Nothing. I am biased. I work for them as a mental coach, and that's where I go. But that's because of how good my experience has been with him and Precision Golf School. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be saying it. My experience with Robert informs how I now work with my players on a daily basis, and I strive to be half the coach Robert has been for me. And I don't do swing instruction, uh, but I try to fulfill the, the rest of the things that he he did for me. So, so most, if not all of you, won't be able to work with Robert. I, I realize that as true. Robert's really busy, and you guys are all over the world, all over the country, all over America. Uh, Europe, Australia, wherever. You guys are all over the place. So this list is meant to be adaptable to anyone's situation. And remember, this is just my own experience. You have to first and foremost know yourself, how you learn and how you communicate before knowing who you should work with. But sometimes it takes working with the instructor to find that out. So don't be scared to experiment. Don't be scared to try a swing coach for a few lessons and evaluate, was this good? Were they able to adapt to me? Were they good communicators? Do they have a program? Do they have more stuff for me to do than just swing lessons, swing fixes? Don't be scared to experiment. So this has been what to think if you need a new coach. I wish you all the best of luck in your coach slash swing instructor search. And as I've mentioned recently on recent episodes, if you want to take a mental game assessment. If you want to get an assessment of your mental game, I have one on my website. It's something that, speaking of Robert, uh, he and I developed to kind of give to players to get their feedback of what uh, of of the struggles they're having, of the of their mental game strengths, those kind of things uh, across eighteen different. Uh, mental game traits that we kind of deemed that were valuable to improvement in golf uh, that were kind of correlated to playing well or working hard or or practicing well. Um, so speaking of a holistic approach, that uh, that is a great tool for you to to get an idea, at least just to scratch the surface of of what mental game traits that you are great in or things that you struggle with. Um, so I will have the link in the show notes below the episode in your podcast player. You won't be able to miss it. It'll be the first thing up. Um, so I encourage you to take that and I will get you a report back to you, uh, that is custom to you, handmade back to you, um, that will give you, uh, your strengths and one key, uh, area that you could improve and specifically how you could improve it. Um, so at the very least, you get an idea of, uh, what a mental coach sees uh, from you, from your self-reported data, to how you can improve. So thank you for listening. This has been Golf Thoughts Episode 4, What to Think if You Need a New Coach. Uh, 
I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you find a good swing instructor, a good coach, a good mental coach, whatever, um, that can help you get to the next level, get to where you want. I really want that for you. So if you need any specific help, reach out to me. You can email me at the, uh, at mentalgolfshow at gmail.com. Um, send me an email. If you need help trying to find a coach, I would love to help you. Um, yeah, so I will catch you guys in the next one. See ya.